Welcome to the Roots of Success podcast. We've raised the bar. Tap into the source of your success through real stories from real people. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to level up and get to the root of your success. And now your host, now Nate the Great Peterman. Great Peterman. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Roots of Success podcast. I am your host, Nate the Great. And today we have a very, very special guest. I actually got connected to him through my business partner, actually. Uh, my guy, Ben Moreland. How you doing, brother? It's good to hear, Nate. I appreciate you uh, taking the time. I know you're a super busy man. As you guys can see, we're in his gym, okay? Absolutely incredible. We got the, got the name B-More Athletics back there. I love yeah. it, brother. <laughs> so for, for those of you who might be like, man, who is, who is Ben? Give me a little bit of, a, of, of the behind the scenes. So uh, Ben Moreland, co-founder of B-More Athletics, uh, Sherry Fit, and several other projects, Grew up in Washington State before moving to California to chase his dreams. Interesting. Failed at being a professional fighter, but he failed forward into a career focus on self-improvement and helping others improve themselves. That's interesting, Ben. So, um, you know, typically I always have the guests come on and basically give me a, a backstory. I, I love how you're from Washington State. Because you know, I was chatting with Ben a little bit in the beginning about how I'm from Pennsylvania for the listeners that already know. And I just feel like kind of from your vibe already that you have and you come from a more so like a smaller town to, to come in here. Yeah. So I'm definitely curious on you know, your upbringing and really what brought you to taking a big risk to, to come right around Los Angeles, California. <laughs> well, you know, I was excited to hear you say that you did the same thing. Um, taking risks is part of growing, right? And, uh, and hearing you say you intentionally took a risk to force yourself to kind of shed the shell that you were in and force some growth, I think that's super key. I mean, that's that's a trick to jumping levels ahead. Yeah, and that's just something that I was looking to do too. Um, like you, like you said, growing up, you know, um, I grew up in Washington State, a town called Tacoma. Not a small town by any means, but um, definitely you see the same people day after day, and it's easy to get comfortable, it's easy to get stuck in a routine. So when you uproot yourself to go chase after a dream, it really lights fire underneath you, right? Like, yeah. you've got to build a new friend circle, make a whole new set of business contacts, uh, there's rent to be paid, uh, there's all these different pressures and things that force you to move and force you to change. So I think it's really powerful to put yourself in that uncomfortable situation. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, the rent here in, in LA, I mean, it's not cheap. It's not at all. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm over here, I pay about 2500 a month yeah. for rent. And, and I'm a single man. And it's just, it blows my mind because being back home in Pennsylvania, you could buy a mansion for that. Exactly. Right. I don't know what the rent's like in Tacoma. I mean, it's a bunch here. I can't tell you. It's been a long time. Oh my goodness, absolutely. But what you said there, you know, taking taking a big leap and whether it's faith and then taking that risk to come to an area like this, I mean that's it takes a it takes a special breed to do that. Yeah. You know. So I'm kinda curious on, you know, your family growing up, how were you raised? Was it like middle class and, and your upbringing in terms of 
you amounted to having the mentality and, and taking that leap of faith. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So definitely middle class. Um, had a comfortable upbringing. Uh, my mom died when I was really young, so it was just me and my dad growing up. So it was like a single parent household for a long time. Um, my dad's a college professor. So getting to look over his shoulder and follow him around definitely gave me a leg up on understanding things. So he has a PhD in international business and he's like worked for Boeing and a bunch of other stuff. But before he went in and became a college professor, he was an accountant and had his own accounting firm. So being a single dad and running an accounting firm, of course, I'm hanging out at the office all day. I'm listening to him talk to uh, real estate agents, restaurant owners, a uh, guy that owns a car wash, a doctor, a dentist. You, you get to kind of sit in the background, literally as a fly on the wall. I was sitting there, you know, like playing with cars and Game Boy and whatever else. But I think you absorb a lot and you see a lot and you find out that there's careers that people are wildly successful at that you don't even consider, right? Like every porta potty you see somewhere is owned by someone and then rented out in service. Like, like that can be a massive company. And one of my dad's clients had a multi-million dollar porta potty empire. So literally handling other people's crap can make you a ton of money if you're willing to be diligent and do a better job than anybody else. Wow. And I never thought about that before. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, especially in sports, because I played soccer growing up and had all these porta bodies at the place. And uh, I just, I never really thought much of the business model behind that. That's, that's inspiring. And, and the fact that, wow, that's just your father and, and, and what he's done up to this point, I mean, I'm sure he's a big mentor in your life growing up. Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, so when you grow up with a single parent, they kind of have to be both. They're, they're the mom and the dad. And um, my dad did get remarried, but I was already going to high school at that point. So your, your kind of formative years are largely over. You're the person you're going to be, or at least you're on the path to becoming the person you're going to be at that point. Um, yeah, so he was a big inspiration. And then just... Again, getting to see him interact with people and getting brought into business meetings, just that I had no part in. I wasn't doing anything, but just listening to how business is done and seeing what people do is, is a huge advantage. Absolutely, especially that. Because, I mean, what, what, what age were you, or age, age range were you from that time when you were listening to his meetings? Uh, I mean, from the time I can remember, Right up until 14, 15 years old, and then you start, you know, getting busy with school and high school, and then by 16, you can drive yourself so you're not stuck hanging out with dad at the office or anything like that, right? Absolutely. That, that's, that's, that's inspiring because, you know, being that young and, and being around your father, he was doing the big business that he was doing back then and sure, still today. Um, that's incredible. Because when you're at that age, you absorb, I mean, every children's a sponge, yeah, right? And, 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 and the more that you, you grow older, people were still sponges, but sometimes they, they deflect other uh, you know, human beings or things to let get into their head. Like we're not as, what's the word, like 
as influenced by everything around us anymore. I feel, I feel like people aren't willing to be vulnerable and say, I don't know, so that they can learn. They're embarrassed to not know something. Wow. Right? And I, I've even dealt with that myself, where I'll go in somewhere and, you know, I've got my strengths on this particular category. And I'll be hanging out with a friend and he has to go do business in another field. And I don't know anything. And everybody at the table is talking and I'm lost. And there was a point in my life where I would fake it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm intuitive, I'm, I like to think I'm intelligent, so I'll just listen and smile and nod at the right points. But then I realized I'm handicapping myself by not taking advantage of the situation. If I don't know what's going on, most of the time if you ask someone, they're happy to tell you because everybody likes to be known and seen as an expert, right? They like to talk about what they know about. So when you ask them and give them a chance to talk, most of the time they're happy to explain it to you. And then you're just getting free education. So you talk about being a sponge too. I think people forget to be a sponge after a while. Like they stop trying, people stop reading books, people stop asking questions, people stop going to new, uncomfortable, unfamiliar places. They get in their lane and they just stick there. You got a good old mosquito in there. hunting us down. Yeah, Get him doing this. <laughs> but no, I agreed. Um, do you think PETA will get upset if we kill a mosquito on the podcast? Or not? You don't want those angry emails? <laughs> no, I don't think. <laughs> That's funny you mentioned it. I think Peter posted something about that. Did you really? I didn't see that. A few days ago, he put it for uh, a few hours and then, you know, he took it down because I think he's, yeah, you can imagine somebody as influential as, as him and, and the, the backlash they received. But. <laughs> But yeah, the education aspect, I, I agree 100% because, oh my gosh, you know, reading this, uh, Think and Grow Rich, actually, The Law of Success, really, okay. really great book. I don't know if you read it. I have Napoleon Hill. It's like the, the Bible of, I kid you not, personal development. It's got about 800 pages. And it's saying, you know, the word educate, uh, it's, it also, it comes from edu, educo, or educa, one of those. And... Educate isn't necessarily just going to school. Like it's sitting down, absorbing knowledge from other people, reading books, and actually trying new things, experience. Yeah. And I feel as if a lot of people they 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 think, okay, education is just school. They don't think that you can actually go out and do, or they might know that but they're just kind of ignorant towards the fact that they're right. And then at a certain point, school stops, and for them, education stops. And then growth stops and development stops. And that's, that's not where you want to be. You want to keep progressing, keep moving forward. I'm actually really jealous of you. By doing this podcast, you okay. get to sit and talk with a ton of great people. Um, and that's got to be an amazing educational experience for you, just this little bit of life that you glean from all these different people that you talk to. Uh, it's great, you know, we can tune into the podcast and, and get it by proxy and hopefully, you know, pull some of that information. But, man, you've got a really cool opportunity to create it for yourself. That's Thank awesome, you, Ben. I appreciate that, brother. You know, sometimes people ask me, Nate, what, what, what's your goal with a podcast? And I say all the time, I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing this to make money. We're doing this to make heart. Yeah. Again, we were talking, uh, you know, before we started this, and my reasoning to come into L.A. was for, for self-growth. Because I realized being from a small town, I come from a very conservative background of, of people around me, mm -hmm. where some of the names that I'm 
with and that I've interviewed up to this point already. I mean, it's, gosh, man, it's, it's a blessing. And, and I realized telling the people back home this, they would be freaking out. You know, saying that I go to the same church in Bieber and he walks in front of me 10 feet, literally, every single week, but people were like, oh, what? You'll get his autograph. I'm like, I'm not even on that level. Yeah. I'm at the level where I'm like, I'm going to interview him. Yeah. I'm not over here trying to be like, yo, bro, can I, let, let me get your autograph so I can like stunt <laughs> on social media. Yeah. I don't care about that. You don't put yourself there. Yeah. I care more about the relationship. Completely. And like you said, it's an outlet for people to come to because I realize another thing, Ben, is there's the, yeah, the world stars. You got all these different news outlets that they're just trying to aim at what they did last week at the bar. Uh-huh. Or, or something negative in news. And, but I wanted an outlet where people can come to to see the actual behind the scenes on how they got to where they're at, the success stories. Because I feel like that's just not shared enough. Yeah. You know? well, so to bring it back into the gym, since we're sitting in the gym right now, I see this all the time. People look at, put your favorite actor, bodybuilder, pro athlete, whatever. They look at what they're doing today, yeah. right? Like, what workout is Arnold Schwarzenegger doing when he filmed Conan? Like, okay, that he looked great in that movie. But if you don't look like him already, you're not there yet. You need to go back five or ten years and figure out what workouts was he doing then. Like, what's the success story? What did he do to build up to that point? Don't look at what they're doing now when they're already crushing it. That's not helpful to you. That's not the point on the journey that you're at. You need to go back a few steps when they're building it up. Look at it when, you know, or the company was still in the garage, right? Yeah. You got the, you're in the garage, you got the laptop and the phone, and like you're sitting on a folding office chair. Like, don't look at them when they're in the $10 million corporate headquarters. You got to rewind it and look at the path that brought them in. Absolutely. And I feel like that's such a misperception of what a lot of people look at. They just look at the pinnacle of somebody's success. Exactly. They don't look at what the process was for them to really get there. And, uh, that's, that's, that's a good point that you just said because yeah, I, I just feel as if, if people actually looked at where they started from, but again, I'm not, it's not, if you look up somebody like Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's not always going to say like, okay, this is where Arnold Schwarzenegger started. Yeah. Typically, it's going to say like his latest Terminator movie and they say all the achievements. So you got to really do your research on that as yeah, well. Definitely. And that's, I mean, just reading, like I read his book, Total Recall, the Biography, and I mean that's oh, that's like a seven hundred page book. Really, I haven't got into that. Yeah, I mean it's a huge book, and I'm thinking, man, I mean you got to do the research, but you got to be you got to have a will to do the research on reading that thing. Yeah, because I mean, like you were saying with Conan, it was saying about stories in there. I was just inspired by that because a lot of people don't realize. I'd say probably seventy-five, maybe even more percentage of people don't realize that Arnold had to go through to get to where he's at. Yeah, to be the governor of California, especially being from uh, Austria. Yeah, from Austria. Austria, yeah. So you moved here from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Difficult, right? Oh my gosh. You don't yeah. have any, do you have any friends or family out here already, or did you come in pretty had a few clients, yeah. Okay. That was just a few clients, and then I, I'll be honest, Ben, I'm not like uh, somebody that just goes to a bunch of networking events. Yeah. It's just, I've never been like that. Should I? More probably, but I just like doing like one-on-one conversations yeah, like yeah. this, because it, I realize that's my strength. So you packed up and moved out here from Pennsylvania and that stuff. Imagine doing it to a new country where they don't speak the same language you do, so you have to 
relearn a new language, and then hammer the door down into a ridiculously difficult industry to even get your foot into. Oh, looks like we have somebody here. So we're going to time out on the pod. Yeah, you're good. You're good, bro. Hey, how's it going? Uh, are you back? Uh, back when you over for No, this my year I saw some guys coming yesterday and they're coming to the room. They're not here. Yeah, this is usually one plug they all plug the address with. Okay. Um, okay. Good heads up. Saying about the uh, how he was coming over from you know Austria to the United States and yeah, so I find stories like that inspirational. Like, again, like you, I packed up from my hometown and I moved to a city where I knew zero people. I knew no one when I moved here. Um, I went and I was pulling little pieces of paper off of the pinup board, like where people had rooms for rent. I was going on roommate.com and Craigslist and like shopping around. I knew no one. But I knew that I wanted to make a change in my life, and this is the place I needed to be. Mm. So I jumped off, and I made it happen. Yeah. Um, and I grew a lot because of it. That's deep. So, so with you coming out here, because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like you're, you're not the type that's just like super extroverted. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like you weren't necessarily whenever you came here the one that was just to go out everywhere. Yeah. Is that so? It's funny. I'm a I'm a social introvert. I okay. guess I, I don't mind talking with people, but yeah. if given the choice, I'm happy to stay at home alone and read a book, watch a movie, play a video game. Like that's that's what recharges my batteries. That's what I enjoy. Um, definitely not antisocial. Right. I, I love going and spending time with people and building relationships with people. You can't have a business like a gym if you don't like building personal relationships. Um, can't be a personal trainer. Actually, business in general, I'm finding, is all about the relationships you make. Um, you can be amazing at crunching numbers. You can be a wealth of knowledge on a specific subject. But if you don't have relationships, you can't do business. You have to be plugged into other people's networks. So when they have a problem, they think of you to come and solve it. Um, yeah, so same as you, I'm not like a big networking guy. I don't yeah. seek out those events. Um, but when I have to do my enjoy Yeah. Absolutely. I kind of got that vibe just in terms of, because I'm the same exact way that um, you said social introvert. Is that what you said? Yeah. I like that. Okay. Yeah, social introvert. Because that's the thing. I would, I would much rather not get recharged 100%. Because uh, that was one of the reasons I wanted to get my place out here by myself, because I know that's where I thrive. You know, like just getting in the zone and, I mean, to be honest, I talk to myself just in, in, in the apartment sometimes because that fuels me. Because it's like I'm having a conversation with my intuition. Okay. But not a lot of people that aren't necessarily maybe that woke or that deep can understand that fact and they might think, it'd be kind of weird. <laughs> you know? But that's a strong tool, right? Yeah. To talk to yourself. Absolutely. Because I'm, I'm that type of person, Ben, even with reading books, for me to really get something, I got to speak it. Like I can't, I can read a book and, and kind of, you know, go go uh, 
guide through it in, in my head, but I realize that I'm not comprehending it as much. Yeah. So I, I committed. I'm like, Nate, every single book that you read, you're gonna read out loud. Wow. So I'm reading like last night. I got the book in my car. I'm reading the book. Um, it's Sam Walton, the Walmart story, the biography on him, and it's just like I'm literally reading this book out loud every step of the way, and I just realized getting in the zone that way is just so crucial because if I don't have my alone time for at least a day or two, and you know it, yeah, I'm sure you're similar, yeah, you know, because it just like the littlest things can kind of get to me if I don't have my alone time, uh, just because I feel as if my battery is just not getting recharged. Yeah, because when you're in those social situations, you're giving a lot of energy out to other people. And some people get charged from that. They want either the recognition, they want to be seen by a bunch of people. Um, there's a lot of different reasons. And I'm not saying that any of those things are negative. It's just not how I'm personally wired. Um, so those situations, I can go have fun there, but it definitely drains my batteries. And after that, I want to go home and relax and hang out with maybe my wife and my cat, and that's about it. Yeah, you gotta you know? go with cat, I love it. <laughs> and even then, sometimes I go in my office and I shut the door and it's just 100% alone time, mm. just to, you know, again, reflect. Um, sometimes it's a lot easier to get into something when you have some solitude to kind of contemplate it. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you mentioned you talk to yourself, though, because I think that's another side. So solitude's a good way to contemplate, something but really to lock in an idea you have to debate it you have to have someone you can talk to about it. so having people in your network that you can have those higher level conversations with and not be embarrassed to talk about what you're thinking or what you're feeling and if you're surrounding yourself with people that are putting you down and cutting you down and aren't willing to get into those conversations that's going to again stifle you so finding those people that you can dig into a topic with that are in, interested in discussing the Walmart family story, right? Some people you start talking to them about that book and they're like, yeah, man, whatever, but but what club are we gonna go to? Or something like that. It's like, I'm I'm not interested in that. I'll go do that fun thing with you, but like let's let's dig into this. This is really interesting. Have you ever noticed this? Have you ever thought about this? So Brother, it's funny that talking to yourself is the best conversation you can have about this stuff. It's true. And and, and, and to, to kind of add on to that, like I really don't hang out with people around my age. And whenever I was 16, 17, I was hanging out with people in their 30s and 40s. Yeah. And just by developing that habit early on, I'm still doing it. Yeah. And I realized, because that exactly what you said, that was, a, that was a big gap. Not a lot of people understood the power behind reading and, and talking about these kinds of subjects. Because again, I just don't feel, I don't want to say people aren't necessarily deep, but they just don't want to take the time to actually have an in-depth and uh, very intelligent conversation like that. Yeah. Like when you talk about, you know, the fact that Henry Ford got questioned about his intelligence in court, you know, about, hey, how many, can you name this capital of the state or how many capitals in the United States or things like yeah, that? Yeah, really? Yeah, they literally took him to court for that. And Ford was very respectable, but after about 45 minutes to 60 minutes, and they, they talk about this and think he's very rich, um, he said he's like, he had enough of it. He, he wasn't like ignorant or anything, but he was just like, listen, you gotta realize, found in the automobile, you know? Yeah. You gotta realize that the question that you're asking me right now, I got a clicker, a button clicker in my office that I can just click a button, somebody can answer that for me. 
I don't need to know this. So the fact that you're asking me this question, like for you, it might seem as if I need to know it, but I'm at a point right now where I have people that I pay that can actually answer this question whenever I need it. Yeah. Like you said, having that mastermind, people that you can literally just talk about life with, talk about these deep subjects. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you and your wife, I mean, I'm sure you guys have some super intelligent, deep conversations. Of course, you know, I couldn't spend that big of a chunk of my life with someone that I couldn't have those conversations with, right? Yeah, because if you did, I mean, it's like when you can add value and there's value, you know, it just comes and you're on the same accord. Yeah. And that's, you're in a perfect harmony. Yeah, that way. And it's just, it's just inspiring. But, but yeah, anyways, let's let's talk a little bit about the gym. Yeah. Um, you know, what was the, the motivation behind it? And, uh, you know, I guess for the long term, where do you, where do you want to take this and, and everything? Can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with kind of the forming of the gym, I guess. So I sat down with my wife, Anna, and we were thinking of names for the gym. Uh, and we just got out a piece of paper and started brainstorming, right? Drawing logos that make no sense, writing out any name that comes to us. And kind of the seed of inspiration was I wanted something that was motivational, but applied to everyone. So it couldn't be hyper-specific. It had to be general enough that anybody could pick that up and run with it, right? So I think Nike crushed it with just do it. Just do it. That's not even related to athletics or sports or anything. It's, it's like a call to action. What do you need to do? Just do it. I want to be the fastest 100-meter sprinter in the world. Just do it. I want to... 10x my revenue in my business. Okay, get up, just do it. I want to lose 50 pounds, just do it. It it applies to anyone and everyone. So I'm like, okay, we gotta find something like that. And we're writing all these things out. And I wrote out be great, be better, do better, all these, all these things, and they just didn't quite resonate. Get get strong, get fit, oh, be fast. No, it didn't. Nothing was quite right. And we wrote out be more. And it just clicked. And it's funny, people don't believe this story, but the name came completely without a thought to my name. It was just yeah, Ben Everybody yeah. thought it was just, I took my name and chopped some chunks off. And that was more of a happy accident. Like that was the deciding factor. Yeah, we had you know 30 names written on a piece of paper, and the one that made us circle that one was that it's a play on my name. But be more. It, literally anybody can pick that up and run with it. So if I have a high school athlete coming in here that wants to get off JV and make varsity, okay, you got to do more if you want to be more. So, so we'll take that to the next level. Um, I get a mom coming back in that's just had a baby. She hasn't worked out in a year and wants to get back into the shape that she was. Okay, you got to do more if you want to be more. Let's get, let's get to work. Um, being more is more than just gaining muscle or losing fat. It's about a better quality of life for yourself. And then when you're healthier, fitter, stronger, you make the life of people around you that much better as well. So whether it's more years on your life, 
or better quality of those years or being able to be more active, not be tired and run down. Uh, fitness is super important. It's true. Yeah. Um, Self-care is really important and often overlooked, especially in like the entrepreneurial space. People get in that grind mentality and they work 20 hour days and eat while they're at their computer or on calls and then they sleep a few hours and they get up and do it again. And their health and their fitness and their productivity level just nosedive, right? Because they get so beat down. But if you talk to really high level CEOs or successful entrepreneurs, a lot of them cut out a chunk of time in their day to work on their health and their fitness. And you know, some people meditate for their state of mind, some people run, some people do yoga, some people lift weights. But taking that time to make yourself healthier and yourself better will benefit your business, benefit your business partners, benefit all your employees, because you become more effective at what you do. And if you run yourself into the ground, that benefits no one. You're less productive, you're not being a great boss, you're not being a great leader, you're not being a great role model, and then you physically suffer too. That's deep. So let's say, uh, you know, because we have a lot of entrepreneurs, especially yeah. the millennial generation, even people in college, because it's the same thing in college, is people that are going to school and just, I gotta get a 4.0. You know, I gotta get a great GPA, three point five or something. And uh, you know, let's just say they're they're looking to enhance their their health, or they, they basically need like the, the first couple of few steps in terms of just getting started. What, what would those first couple steps that come to mind? I know you mentioned yeah. meditation and stuff, but what would, what would maybe it's eating healthy? What would those first couple of things be? So. The first most important thing is building a habit. And I think habit for the sake of a habit is a really powerful tool because it teaches you commitment and mental fortitude and a bunch of other skills that transfer over to other areas of your life. So if you make a commitment, even as simple as I'm gonna walk for 30 minutes a day, every single day for the next 30 days, don't miss a day. Right. Oh, you know, but I got slammed at work or I have a test I have to study for or I'm really tired. You made a commitment. Stick to your commitment to yourself. Follow through. Because follow through is super important. Persistence is super important. I know you said when you're trying to get interviews with people, you have to stay on top of it. You have to stay persistent. And so making habits is super key. Mm -hmm. um, now, what you do with that habit can be up to your personal preference. You know, can be committing to going to the gym and lifting weights or going out and running or doing some yoga or waking up every morning and taking 30 minutes to read. Whatever it is, make a commitment to a new habit that you're going to do every single day and then see how far you can run with it. You know, If your new habit is read 10 pages every single day, first thing when you wake up, how, how many days can you stretch that in a row before you break your streak and make it a challenge to yourself? So the second thing people run, ask me all the time is, well, yeah, but how do I stay motivated? And I want to say motivation is complete bullshit. It's unimportant. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you feel about the workout. It matters if you got it done. It doesn't matter how you feel about doing the work. It matters if it got done, right? That's what affects the bottom line. That's what affects the results. So motivation in the scheme of things makes it easier when you have it 
But when you don't have it, it doesn't let you off the hook. It still needs to get done. So I find momentum to be much more important than motivation. So we go back to building a habit. If you have a habit of going for a 30 minute run, and it's been 50 days, it's been almost two months, and you haven't missed a day. And all of a sudden it's 10 o'clock at night, you're brushing your teeth, watching Netflix, you're getting ready to go to bed, and you realize, I didn't knock out that run today. I don't feel like knocking out the run today. I've had a full day. I'm really tired. I'm ready for bed. You can make a thousand excuses of why not to run. I'll just do it tomorrow. But when you have that streak going, right, that streak has momentum. And there's a little bit of you that you can convince yourself to have some pride on that streak. Yeah. I don't want to stop at 50 days and start over at day one. I want day 51 and 52 and 53. I want to be two months. I want to be one year solid of every single day. So building those habits builds follow through and determination, and that will come out of fitness and out of health and just benefit your life in its entirety. Goodness. <laughs> you guys ain't taking notes. Man, you, better be, <laughs> you better be rewinding for, I mean, to, the, to the beginning of this podcast because this is, this is incredible insight, man. My goodness. Now, I love how you said that. You know, just about the motivation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious. So, so what's your, j- just on the motivation side of things, because of course you know you got a motivational speaker yeah. and people that look up to these kinds of people. Yeah. Now, do you feel people that look at motivational speakers and they live by that, do you think that's a good thing? I don't want to speak for someone else. If that works for them, I don't want to dissuade them from it. Okay, that's right. Gotcha. Um, so if they found something that works, just because it doesn't work for me doesn't mean you should stop. I find motivational speakers to be very fleeting. They'll get you fired up. You'll go, you'll hear them talk, you'll leave for the rest of that day or maybe for the rest of that week, you're fired up, and then you will stick to what you know. So I, I tweak it just a little bit. Instead of looking for motivation from those people, I look for inspiration from those people. And it's related, but on a slightly different slant. So I look at what they've done or what they are doing and see what lessons I can pull from it and put into my own life. But I know that the motivation has to come from inside yourself. If someone else is pushing you forward, as soon as they stop pushing, you'll stop going forward, right? So leaning on a motivational speaker can be kind of a crutch, and you do need to work on getting past it, or you need to follow a dozen different podcasts like this one, so that you're getting that daily shot in the arm of motivation to keep you driving forward. If that's what you need, do it. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people that have a list of podcasts all queued up, and they get in their car, and their first 30 minutes or hour of every day, they're listening to someone fire them up, and that drives them to keep going. It works for you, keep going for it, it's good. But I would challenge you and encourage you to try and cultivate a fire inside yourself. So again, I'm going to keep repeating it, but going back to building a habit, build one positive habit, stick to it every single day. Once that becomes habitual, like brushing your teeth, right? You just wake up and you do it. It's not, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to hype yourself up to do it. You don't have to convince yourself to do it. You just, you just do it. So once you have your new habit nailed, add a second one and then add a third one. And then all of a sudden you become this like 
productive machine that just you wake up and things happen because you've programmed yourself to do it. And how you feel about it doesn't matter. If I wake up and I feel sad, I still brush my teeth. Right. If I wake up and I feel great, I still go brush my teeth. If I wake up completely normal and neutral, I go brush my teeth because that's my habit, right? Yeah. So that to me is much more important than getting external motivation from someone else is building a series of habits that I'm going to execute on over and over again. They might not even have the same habits that you have. So right. if you're trying to rely on somebody else's habits, there's a reason that you're not even motivated to continue your own habits because you're relying on somebody else's habits. Right. That's powerful. Interesting. You know, it's funny, with the book reading, I, uh, I try to do 30, 45 minutes an hour every single morning. I'll read, reading like a, a very deep book, and then at night I tend to spend 30 to 60 minutes reading a biography. Okay. Because biographies at night, they're basically uh, like movies. Obviously, you don't want to watch TV because that can uh, interrupt your, your sleep pattern, your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. So reading biographies puts you in a state where it makes you a little bit more tired, but you're still comprehending the information. So I, I realized that, and I've been, again, with the, reading the Sam Walton book, I'm, I'm up, <laughs> I'm waking up, and I send Daniel, you know, audio messages every morning. I was like, bro, this is what I'm going to do. Every single morning, I'm going to send you like, whether it's a, a two, four, 10 minute audio about what I learned last night or this morning in reading. Uh -huh. So I literally have been doing it for a week straight now. And he's over here saying like, dude, I love these audios that you're doing. Yeah. And just like the whole talking to myself, I'm putting it out to the universe. And whenever you teach it and you're, and you're preaching about it and you're stating it, you actually comprehend that 10 times quicker. Oh yeah, because before you can give it to someone else, you have to really make sure you understand it to yourself and you run through it in your thoughts before it comes out of your mouth, well, which I hope it does. Yeah. Some people don't. Some people just let the thoughts come straight out and they don't refine or process them at all. Yeah. But yeah, teaching someone really makes you understand something a lot more deeply. Mm -hmm. um, so it's beneficial to him because you're sending him these great cliff notes, but I think it's probably more beneficial to yourself because you're distilling your thoughts down to a two to 10 minute audio clip, right? Everything you absorbed in that hour of reading the night before, you're, you're condensing it down, you're digesting it, and giving the most useful information out. So it's, it's a win-win, man. You're, you're helping your buddy out, but I think, yeah. I think you're actually reaping a huge benefit for yourself, too. That's so true. Okay. And, and then, because I'm... <laughs> it's so funny. Because I'm laughing because it's so like great to do. Because um, a few weeks ago, I wouldn't have been able to tell you the thing about yeah, I wouldn't have been able to tell you, you know, about how if it wasn't for Sam Walton having a computer, stasis in the book, Walmart wouldn't be the top grocery store in the entire uh, grocery business. It was the fact that he had a computer. So it's like implementing these into your daily conversations as well. It's intriguing because I'm sure like some of the things that you saw people are like, hey, man, they didn't know that. Yeah. And they're just so intrigued that you see like a big old light bulb just uh, go off like in their head and it's inspiring because sharing information with others that can leave an impact and inspire them to do greater things in their life there's, there's no better feeling oh completely I mean, that's really why I have this gym um, making an impact on other people's life that you can visually see 
is incredible. Yeah. When people have been training here for a while and they come in three months later, six months later, and they give me a big hug because they're so excited about all the progress they've made, like that fires me up. That's really cool. Um, you know, I've got a lot of other businesses that take a lot of time and a lot of effort and are very financially rewarding, but those don't always scratch that itch that's like in your soul to help other people. Yeah. Um, so this, that's why this is probably, I, I'm glad we were able to come talk here today because this place is special to me for that reason, because it's about being more and encouraging other people to be more and then getting fulfillment from helping other people around you rise up. Would you say this is like your favorite business out of them all? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, that, that just rotates. And I think that's another reason that's important to have some diversity in what you do. I think no matter what, no matter how much you turn, uh, I'm going to talk all over myself here. I'm going to rewind a few steps. People say, do a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Right? I hate that phrase. <laughs> because you take something you're passionate about, you turn it into your career, and then you grind it into the ground and you no longer love it the same way because now you have to do it instead of getting to do it. Right? I've seen this happen over and over and over again to people. I think a lot of times people that quote the do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life are people on the outside looking in. They work a career that they hate and they wish that they were doing their hobby for a job. Right? So that's not to say don't do something you love. Don't don't ruin it. don't take this out of context and miss the message. But whatever it is that you do will eventually become work. And there'll be days that you don't want to do it. If you're if you love ice cream, you get a job as an ice cream taste developer. Yeah. Like you're inventing new flavors of ice cream, right? It sounds like a dream job. But I'm sure some days you wake up and you go to work and you can't eat another variation of chocolate. Like you just don't want it. You don't want to touch it. You don't want to see ice cream. That's a dream job that just became work for someone. So it's good to be diversified and have different things that you do. So I can grind on the gym, but if I get frustrated with the gym, I can take some time and energy and work on literature. I can go like help people in a different way. So instead of just making them stronger, helping them lose weight, they can, I can put this drink into more people's hands that's going to reduce inflammation, make them feel better, make them have a more full, active life. Or I get tired of that and I go help Anna with Shreefit. So we're looking at clothing and when people look good, they feel good. And so people that may not feel like going to the gym. This is something I didn't even know until I got into clothing. Is a lot of people get huge motivation from having a new gym outfit. If you give them a great looking outfit, they're more incentivized to go to the gym and work out and exercise. That's a whole thing I never even thought of. I was always the, I wear a sweaty old t-shirt and some whatever shorts and I just go bang it out. But looking good makes you feel good. When you feel good, you do good. So, in a way, like, fashion can help people have a better life because they feel better about themselves when they go and they're more productive. That's funny, Ben, because, you know, I thought about that just the way, especially with the athletics and stuff, and as people going to the gym, I realize a lot of people wear like Jim Shark and all these big time brands. And myself, or maybe it's just where we're from, right? Yeah. I'm just like, man, like, I'm cool with just going to the gym, wearing some good old, you know, I don't got a match or anything like that. I feel like, you know, some people they dress up as if they're going on the red carpet for, yeah, for the exactly. gym. And it's, it's crazy. And something else that you said that was inspiring. Um, 
you know, breaking a habit. You're saying about the ice cream thing. Uh, you know, if somebody's working an ice ice cream testing plant, that most likely they're going to get tired of testing ice cream. Yeah, and I forget what book it was, but I read this thing where it said if somebody's addicted to addicted to smoking or addicted to chocolate, we use a chocolate one. Tell them to eat chocolate for every single meal of the day. <laughs> every single, same with smoking. If you're yeah. addicted to smoking, smoke like every single hour. Yeah. Even though it's not necessarily good for your body, but the fact that you smoke every single hour, you think you're sick and tired of smoking. Yeah. Like the urge, oh, well, yeah, I don't think that's true. You know, the urge is always there. The, the, the potato chips are always in. You, you hear that, the, <laughs> the bag, whenever you put your hand in it. But it, it's so true because whenever you eat this, same as cereals. I mean, when I was a little kid, I'm like, man, I was like, hey, what do you want for uh, for breakfast? I'm like, give me some Lucky Charms. I'd have Lucky Charms probably for like three weeks straight. And I'm like, man, I want to rotate to Frosted Flakes. I want to go to Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Because I got sick and tired of eating the same exact cereal. Yeah. And I still do it. Same with oatmeal. You know, like whether it's peaches and cream, blueberry, you have all these selections. And there's a reason that there's a variety because I feel like naturally, as human beings, we get tired of doing the same old, same old. And then to, to test, I know you were saying a little bit about literature. Talk a little bit more about that. Like, what was your, your reasoning for coming out with literature and, and what's really the, the mission behind it? So, the gym and health and fitness is a huge part of my life. And last December, I came down with a medical problem with my hands and feet. Really? I was having severe pain. Um, still working with some doctors to try and figure out what's going on, what I can do about it. But... Basically, I've got just a severe pain in my hands and feet that was really, really limiting my ability to work out. Oh. And for me, that's a huge part of my identity, right? Like, you see yourself as, I'm a fitness guy. I own a gym. I, I do all these active things. And now I can't do them like I used to. I got super depressed. I, like, I've, I lost part of who I was. So we go back to do what you love for a living. You'll never work a day in your life. Like, that, that was taken away. So you identify a lot as your, your work, your career. So I got so down. Um, and then a friend of mine reached out to me and said, hey, um, I don't know what you've been doing to try and alleviate your pain, but have you heard of turmeric? Well, yeah, I've heard of turmeric. That's like, I don't know, they have it in all like the hippie shops, right? Like Whole Foods and like, um, like Mother's Market and stuff like that. You take this spice and it's very healthy for you, it's anti-inflammatory, you see it in a lot of um, Asian medicine, and Indian cooking, and things like that. So I knew it was just like a generally good for you thing, but I didn't know how powerful it was. Mm. So a buddy of mine sent me over a sample of his product, had it in it. He's like, listen, I just want you to take this and let me know how you feel. Um, I've been eating Advil, like I just kept the bottle in my pocket throughout the day. I was just taking them like other people with like a breath mint, right? Just throughout the day. Because um, I, I still had stuff I had to get done. I had to do it. Um, and it started to destroy my stomach. Because you're really not supposed to take that stuff long term. That's like, I have a headache, make it go away. I've got a bump or a bruise and I need to treat it. But yeah, exactly. And your liver. It's very hard on your liver, uh, the lining of your stomach, all these things. Now, so I started to get separate medical problems. From trying to treat this other problem. Yeah. So my wife's like, hey, 
you gotta get these drugs out of your system. We're gonna change your diet, we're gonna start doing all these other things. And one of the things I added in is the tumor started to actually really feel better. So then my, my same friend that reached out to me goes, hey, um, he's, he's another serial entrepreneur. He's got a ton of different businesses. And he goes, I'm looking at starting a drink company using this technology. So turmeric is great, but it's really hard for your body to absorb it. You have to take a lot of it. Um, and then other certain chemicals need to be involved in the process for your body to break it down and absorb it, really use it. So a lot of times black pepper gets added in. Really? Okay. Um, if you go to like the supplement store and you flip the back around and look at the ingredients, almost always it's going to have black pepper in there with it because something about that's a catalyst. They are stronger together than they are on their own, right? But even then you really, you're eating a whole lot of it and absorbing like eight to 12% of it. Most of it just passes through and ends up in the toilet. So what these guys did is some super smart scientist guys that are way smarter than I am figured out how to use cyclodextrin, which is a specific configuration of a sugar molecule, right? These guys are smart. They're designed using designer sugars oh my goodness. to make turmeric water soluble. So something that normally is a lot of work to go through your body and get processed and get into your system. They now use a special configuration of sugar to make it go into the water and help your body absorb it much, much faster, like 12 times more potent than just the raw spice. And then what they did from there is they refined it. Instead of using turmeric, they used curcumin, which is the active ingredient in turmeric. They isolated out the strongest, most important part. We put it into a drink, figured out how to make it taste great and balanced out, you know, when are people gonna be drinking it? Is this like a first thing in the morning you wake up and you drink a thing? Is it a after you work out kind of thing? We had to figure out what people were gonna do. So we decided to go with a really light, mild flavor, right? Like you could be pouring sweat completely out of breath, drink that, and it's not going to be super sweet and overwhelm you, right? Mm -hmm. Or you could just sip on it like we are now having a casual yeah. conversation and enjoy it too. So this has been a whole new type of business for me. I've never been involved with this. So we're dealing with distribution, with getting into different grocery stores and gyms and um, building all these relationships, going back to how important relationships are. Uh, I'm drawing back on all the friends that I've made over the last, you know, 15, 20 years and saying, hey, you work in this industry. Can you teach me more about this industry? and pulling that information and being a sponge, still being a sponge and learning what I can, not being afraid to ask. Because, so I, I'm a part of the company, right? Like we're launching this product. It would be really easy to get trapped in pretending I know what I'm talking about when I don't. And that's only gonna handicap me and handicap the growth of the company. So when I go in and I talk to someone at a grocery store, I can say, hey, I've never done this before. I've never tried to get a product onto your shelf. This is my first time. Please explain it to me as we go. Now, that's a whole different thing than if I quickly typed into Google how to sell a product to a grocery store and read the cliff notes and tried to fake it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So then persistence comes in. You're going to hear a lot of no's before you hear yeses. And if you try to bat a thousand, if you try and get a 
perfect conversion rate, you're going to be stuck because you're going to be afraid to try. So a lot of people, you call them up or you get the meeting, you show them the product and they say, yeah, it tastes great. It's wonderful. We don't have room for you in our store. Okay, thanks for your time. I'm going to go. We'll come back and talk to you again later. Um, I don't think I should and I don't want to name names. We were talking with a very major, very, very large retailer. Um, and they basically said, yeah, we're interested in your product. Let's go. I said, I'm so excited. And then they told me how many bottles they wanted and that there would be 90 day terms, which what terms means is they're going to take the product and they're not going to pay you until they sell it. Basically, they have 90 days. You have to front them the product and wait 90 days to get paid. Interesting. Which, okay, that's not that big of a deal, but if they're asking for hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of product and you have to give it to them, and then if they don't sell it, they can give it right back to you. Which, again, these are scary things for a new company just launching. So then I start calling up other friends that have had one of my friends launched a very successful energy training company. And then he's parlayed that now he's a venture capitalist and he's doing a bunch of other things. But I called him up and I said, how did you do it? What did you do? And he told me about his same experience of beating down the door, going to the gas station and saying, hey, can I get on your shelf? Hey, can I get on your shelf? Hey, can I get on your shelf? Until AMPM said, yeah, we want you in all of our stores in San Diego. And then he had that big account. But now he's like, how do I make enough bottles to get it into all the stores or cans for him as an Okay. But um, these are the hurdles. Like your success can also be a hurdle. So to circle back around and finish the story, because I kind of no, went off no, on a tangent, they said yes, and I had to come back to them and say, I'm so glad you're excited about the product. We're not ready for you yet. Please give me six months to spin up my business and get a greater volume of business, and then I'd love to come back. And I was embarrassed that they were gonna be angry and slam the door in my face and not wanna work with me. Mm -hmm. What actually happened was they said, that's so smart, we're so happy. We don't like to come into any company and be more than 80% of their total revenue because if we have a problem, we can put you out of business. So we think what you're doing is really smart. Let's schedule a meeting for uh, second quarter of 2020. So it's like nine months from now. So, but in business, that's, that's a blink of an eye. That's a short term. But I've established a relationship. They gave me a bunch of education. They gave me a bunch of contacts. They said, you know, you're not ready to play with us yet, but here's some people that you can talk to that'll help you get on the way. And now that door's open to me in the future. So once the company scales up and grows, I'm ready. And it'll be really easy to come on this podcast and talk to you right now and tell you how this is the biggest, best company and we're taking over the world. But I don't think that's what's useful to people watching it. They want to know that like, you do start small and you do build up. Yeah. You don't just hit the ground running at 100 miles an hour. Um, it's going to feel like 100 miles an hour because it's hard work and it's stressful and it's difficult, but you need to build up to those things. Mm. And, and, and just to add on to that, you know, you're going to your friends that are already doing big things or similar things in that industry. If one energy drink that stands out to me, bang, yeah, bang, energy drink. Just, just the amount of influence that work like that. I'm used to the influence of that drink all the time, completely, you know? And uh, it's just such a smart marketing tactic um, that they have, that they really put. And so before, you couldn't find the product anywhere. You had to get that from them, right? You saw it all over social media. They had 
tons of blanket marketing through influencers, and then I think you bought it online. Yeah. And then they got into gas stations and grocery stores. Oh, you bought a Walmart. Walmart has it now. Yeah. And now they've actually contracted back. So before, I have no idea how many millions of dollars they were pushing into influencer marketing. Lots. But now that they're in gas stations and convenience stores and grocery stores, I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems like they've pulled back a lot of their influencer budget, which is, again, really smart if you're looking at it from a business standpoint of you use that influencer marketing to wedge your foot in the door, get in with those big major brands. But now that you're in, you can bring that budget back, which cuts costs, which positively affects your bottom line. You have more net profit that way. And it probably doesn't hurt them now because everybody knows who Bang is. They don't have to spend the same amount on marketing. It's really interesting. That's a, a really interesting company to look at. Absolutely. Just before, yeah. So, Ben, in terms of uh, the literature, where, where can, like, can people buy these? Definitely. Okay. So, we're at that early stage, like I was talking about. Yeah. The easiest way for everyone to get it is going to drinklivetrue.com. And that's L I V T R U. Drinklivetrue.com. You can order it. Right, to you. right now we're available in some grocery stores and convenience stores all around Southern California, and we're looking at growing out from there right now. Um, yeah, we've got a, a friend who has a, a chain of vending machines that vend healthier options, so we're going into those, and that's going to be cool. Um, again, some grocery stores, because we're still negotiating things, I don't like dropping names and saying things like that, of course. But a bunch of different grocery stores we're in the process of getting into and getting picked up, um, going to the convenience stores. And that was another interesting thing that I didn't know until I got in the industry, is a lot of these things are negotiated directly with the store. Oh, like the, the convenience store itself has a lot of autonomy in what products to carry. I would have thought that the big corporate company just writes, here's your inventory, here's what goes on your shelf. Yeah. But no, you actually go in and talk to a lot of these guys. But they all receive their product through a distributor. So I can't walk up to you and say, hey, buy my stuff and put it on the shelf in your store. Even if you love it, I have to get in with your distributor so that you can take it from them to sell my product. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So so there's rules to the game. And again, I, was, I just wasn't afraid to ask. I, I've got friends that have been in the industry before. And if I didn't have friends, I would just literally ask the person across the table from me, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. Can you explain that to me better? And I may not sell product to that person, but hopefully they give me the education I need so the next sale is more successful. Right? Just don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. Um, if you wait until the product's perfect, or if you wait until the pitch is perfect, or you wait until anything is perfect, you'll be waiting forever. You just have to try. Go out and do it, get a little bit better, do it again, get a little bit better, do it again. Um, that's kind of the whole reason behind be more, is just be more, be 1% better every day. And 1% doesn't sound intimidating, it doesn't sound hard, right? But if you make it a habit to be 1% better every single day, that's 100 days until you're 100% better. That's twice as good. It's only three months. But that, when you say it that way, like, okay, three months, I can put in three months of being 1% better every day to be twice as good at something. 
And I mean, that's a very conservative amount, 1% better. I mean, you can have an epiphany, you can have a moment that you get 20% better, 50% better, 500% better. There's those, those lightning strike moments. I'm sure you've read a book or had a conversation or even just a phrase from a conversation with someone just opened up your mind and suddenly changed the way you thought about everything. Yeah. And you just grow in leaps and bounds in that moment. Absolutely. Just this conversation. Okay. You know, I mean, good Lord. You know, you're saying about the, you know, we, we both getting told no. I mean, that's just so powerful because it's like you can take that and let that defeat you. Or you can just, like you said, stay persistent with that. Because when people tell me no, I'm like, I don't take no for an answer. Like, no means not right now, but I'm going to follow yeah. back up yeah. in a couple months or something. There's, there's, you got to find the why, right? Find the why they said no and then overcome that objection. But yeah, that's real. Let me, let me ask you something, Dick. What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you when someone said no about coming on your podcast? Worst thing that about coming, um, I just, nothing, right? Yeah, it's, you it's, just hear the no and then you put a pin in it to circle back to them later. Yeah. So people are so afraid of no, but you got to think, what's the worst case scenario if this person says no? I just go on with my life and I don't interact with them ever again. And I, at least I try. It's true. Yeah. Because, I mean, in the beginning, I definitely got defeated. But then again, I wasn't as, like, grown as much compared to what I am now. And I wanted to just kind of get people that were very like-minded and had a successful mentality that I told myself earlier this year, you know, because – I met like Usher on the streets, Victoria Justice, had a conversation with them, and I realized like, and if I can captivate their attention for more than five minutes, I think I have something here to work with. Oh yeah, So that's whenever I, you know, made the decision that I was like, you know what, let me, let me just change it to interviewing influencers that are doing some really big things. And then whenever I commit, committed to that, you gotta, of course, you know better than anybody, you gotta understand the power of no with these big people. And some of these people are sometimes the ones that you look up to yeah and still having a respect level from them saying no to you and still staying persistent and still going the path now we're talking about a different breed of uh mentality completely on top of that but but yeah so you said uh drinklivetrue.com yeah drinklivetrue.com okay i'll just throw all the plugs in one spot real quick drinklivetrue.com BeMoreAthletics.com. There is an S at the end, athletics. BeMoreAthletics.com and SharifFit.com. C-H-E-R-I-F-I-T, SharifFit.com. Okay, and then where can they find you, Ben? One on social? On social is at Ben Moreland. Keep it simple, direct. That's me. Sounds great. And I will, uh, all the links that Ben mentioned, I'll, I'll attach them in the a little bit better. Oh yeah, that ginger, <laughs> the ginger's got a bite. Yeah, that, that little uh, end there. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I'll touch on I'll touch I'm, I'm super glad you did this. And I uh, appreciate you. I'd love to circle back in six months, 12 months, and do this again. I'd love to see your growth. You've only been out here for three months now, and I can already tell you're putting in the work to do big things. So I, I know big things are coming soon for you. I appreciate you so much, man. Thank you so much for the value that you dropped on here today. And seriously, man, I mean, that's, that's inspiring, especially myself being 23 and seeing somebody like you that's doing incredible things like you are. Like I, I got a lot of respect for that. So I appreciate you, brother.
Thanks for listening to the Roots of Success podcast. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. I really appreciate that, as well as a like and a subscribe. Stay connected between shows by following me on Instagram at NateTheGreat. And remember, guys, success starts here. Keep winning. Nate the Great signing off.